This is If I Go Missing, a podcast where we tell the stories of those who have gone missing so that they aren't forgotten. And maybe, just maybe, we can help bring them the justice they deserve. I am your host, Megan. And I'm your co-host, Lynn. Are you ready to dive into another story? Always. Let's do it. Let's go. If you want to hear more stories of missing planes and missing ships, don't miss the all-new podcast coming from me. I will be hosting a brand new show that talks about the mysterious ships and planes that just seem to vanish at sea. I will be bringing you the all-new podcast called Vanished by Air and Sea. Ashley Loring, heavy runner, was 20 years old when she was last seen on June 8, 2017. A petite woman, Ashley was 5 feet 2 inches tall, only a mere inch taller than myself. She weighed 90 pounds, which is not something I can say about myself. (laughs) She was a member of the Blackfeet Indian Reservation in Montana, and she was attending Blackfeet Community College. The reservation is expansive and actually spans more than 1.5 million acres. Dang, that's big. So, something I noticed when doing this research, there is no single database that tracks the number of Native women who go missing or are murdered every year. Last year, after more than two dozen Native Americans, most of them women, went missing in Montana alone State Senator John Tester declared the number of missing and murdered Indigenous women, or MMIW, across America as an epidemic and actually vowed to find solutions. Among Native Americans, there are harrowing rates of sexual assault, murder, and domestic violence suffered by Native women, some of the highest in America as evidence. More than 84% will experience violence at some point in their life. 96% of all sexual violence suffered by Native women will be committed by a non-Native man. In some counties, the murder rate of Native women is 10 times higher than any other race in America, according to the Department of Justice. Yet, arrests and prosecutions are notoriously low. Whether crimes against Native women are committed on the reservation or off of them. This isn't just in places like Montana or North Dakota where we think of Native American reservations to be. I want to stress to people that this happens everywhere. Some of the places that have the highest number of MMIWs are actually liberal cities like Seattle, Portland, and Denver. It would be wrong not using my voice for these missing and murdered women when I have such a big platform to speak to. Ashley's story is one of the many that deserves to be told. Ashley Loring grew up on the remote Blackfeet Nation in Northwest Montana. Once Lords of the High Plains, the Blackfeet endured a brutal relationship with the U.S. government 
and ever since, Meriwether Lewis shot and killed a Blackfoot man near Camp Disappointment on July 27, 1806, there has been an ongoing feud. The tribe then went on to survive massive land loss, disease, and forced starvation. The mass grave known as Ghost Ridge is where hundreds of starved Blackfeet lie buried beside the former Indian agency where they waited in vain for government promised rations. It is just a short hike from Ashley Loring's home. Ashley Loring's own family still carries the memory of their ancestor, Chief Heavy Runner, who was killed in 1870 when his peaceful camp of mostly women and children were massacred by a drunk army colonel named Eugene Baker on the Marius River. According to a former tribal chairman, the Indian problem of old was to kill them and move them. Now, it is just to forget they even existed. I hate that this is such a prevalent issue. Growing up, I was always told about parts of my family being part of the Cherokee Indians. I did an ancestry DNA test to confirm it. Where I live today, it is so hard to learn more about that part of my history because our ancestors were forced out during the Trail of Tears. You can't just treat people as if they don't exist. No one man has a right to erase the history of another, which is what the Trail of Tears kind of was for. Yeah. I mean, it just... And it, it goes back to what that chief was saying. They used to just want to kill them and be done with it. Now they just want to forget they even existed. This is their land, like it or lump it. It's their land. It's our heritage. It's our right to exactly. know where our family came from. Why? What gives you a right to to take from these people who were here before you? Who were here before you? Who who this belonged to when you came here? Make them conform to you. That's the problem with society now. Oh Lord, I'm about to get fired up. Conformity. I I shouldn't have to conform to every single thing your way. You're not I, always right. Mm -mm. I um I hate rules. Yeah, that's I true. hate conformity. I hate being told what I can and can't do. Rules are more guidelines. Rules are made to be broken for me. <laughs> so this all, like, just making mass groups of people conform to your will, mm -hmm. it fires me up to my core. Yep. There's no, there's no reason for it. And there's no reason not to try to get justice for these people, for anybody, for that matter. Yeah. I don't care what race the person is mm -hmm. if an injustice is done mm -hmm. they deserve justice yeah exactly nobody's better than anybody else exactly right i mean people may look at us because we're white but if you want to get down to it yeah. we're native american too we're yep. italian yep. we're I don't, I don't know about you but i am <laughs> i'm scottish irish english i mean you know but there's also yeah. the Native American in there. There's also Italian. There's also yeah. things that would make my skin darker. Mm -hmm. And yet, if something happened to me, they would come running. Yep. So, in light of things that have been going on, this story really struck a chord with me. And I really want to tell you guys Ashley's story. 
On a warm summer's night in June 2017, Ashley Heavy Runner Loring messaged some friends on Facebook looking for a ride into town from her family's ranch on the sprawling Blackfeet Reservation in northwest Montana. As she waited for the friend to arrive, she grabbed some clothes, packed them into a bag, and said goodbye to her grandmother. Then she ran outside to the waiting car and was on her way. Later that night, someone posted a short video of a party somewhere on the reservation. The video showed Ashley, then she was like 20 years old, nestled on a couch, surrounded by people, chatting and drinking. And at one point, Ashley messaged her older sister, Kimberly, who was in Morocco, visiting her fiance. Send me some muns, can you? Wrote Ashley. I wish I can, sis, but I'm in Africa. Are you okay? Kimberly responded. Always. Days passed without contact between the sisters, and Kimberly didn't think much of it because she was in Africa. And Ashley was forever losing her cell phone. So the sisters, who had grown up together wrangling horses, chopping wood, and shoveling snow, had a plan. After months of living on the ranch and attending community college in the reservation's down-and-out capital of Browning, Ashley would finally be joining her sister in Missoula. And Missoula is like this bohemian university town where the two could share an apartment and start a brand new life together. But a week went by without a word from Ashley. And by mid-June, when their father was suddenly hospitalized for liver failure, Kimberly panicked. Where was her sister? She decided then to make some phone calls. That was when she discovered that no one had seen Ashley since the night of the party. Kimberly reached out to Ashley's friends on social media to see if anyone had seen her, but no one had been in contact with her since June 5th, the night of the party. Kimberly then went to Blackfeet Law Enforcement and Tribal Law Enforcement for help, who together launched a three-day search. But after three days concluded, they stopped their search efforts and proved to be less helpful as time went on. When Ashley was first reported missing to the Blackfeet Reservation's Tribal Police Force, which, along with federal agents from the Bureau of Indian Affairs, serves as the law enforcement to the sovereign nation, they were stunned by the response they received. No one took it seriously. According to Ashley's sister Kimberly, quote, they just said, She's of age. She can leave when she wants to. When we talk to other families whose girls go missing, they say that that's what they got from law enforcement, too. It's not a proper response, end quote. Oh, my gosh. That is something we all say too often on this show. Her sister's right. It's absolutely not a proper response. How can you just say she decided to go somewhere? She hasn't contacted anybody. That's insane. There's a difference between having a right to leave and something being wrong. Yeah, I mean, you always have, you should, let me rephrase that, you should always have a right to leave if that's your choice. But somebody's going to see you, somebody's going to, mm-hmm. something. You're going to have that one friend that you tell everything to, your sister, your best friend, your whatever. No, that's, that's leaving. I chose to leave. I've, I've got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. I can't live here anymore. Whatever. But just boom. I dropped off the face of the earth. Now that's missing. There's yeah, a difference. There's a difference. 
The reservation is a vast 1.5 million acre expanse, larger than Delaware, bordering the Rocky Mountains to the west and Canada to the north, and was usually flooded with gossip. But after Ashley went missing, all went quiet. Then, in late June, the first lead came in. Two weeks after Ashley was last seen, a young woman had been spotted running from a vehicle on a desolate stretch of road on Route 89, flanked on either side by swamp, dense forest, and the occasional trailer. A three-day search party was organized by tribal police and the BIA, but it came up empty-handed. Volunteers did find a gray sweater that matched what Ashley was wearing when she was last seen in a nearby dump. The sweater was torn, covered in oil, and had stains of what appeared to be blood. Boots in Ashley's shoe size were also found. Kimberly Loring found the sweater and boots not far from a remote lake house owned by Sam McDonald who she says was one of the last people to see Ashley. After the loss of their beloved grandfather and a devastating breakup with her first love, Kimberly says her sister began to use drugs and hang out with an older crowd, including McDonald, who was in his 50s at the time. And Ashley's like 20. Ew. Perv. <laughs> even, even if it's... There's no way it's innocent. If he's obviously in the drugs and stuff, he's in that group. There's no way it's really innocent. But even if it's innocent, old man, go find you an old woman. Come on. Authorities ended up misplacing the sweater from the search not long after it was found. Really? Hey. Y'all got some issues or what? Hey. Y'all need some mamas on that team. Y'all need to get your issue together. It would then take authorities two full months to launch a proper investigation into Ashley's case, by which point the lead investigator had started a relationship with and was leaking information to a prime suspect. Oh, dear Lord. Oh, yeah. It makes him a little guilty sounding, doesn't it? It's a very valid point. Yeah, I mean... If you're going to pretend yourself to be an investigator, have the common sense to keep your mouth shut because that's an open case. And have the common sense not to, um, you know, start a relationship with a prime suspect. Dear Lord, I'm born. This is literally the definition of hot mess express. Yeah, and poor Lashley's caught in the middle of it. Yeah. Kimberly has said that, you know, you know things are bad when a tribal officer tells you that he's sorry about your sister and that he's working overtime on the case, but that nobody's really taking it seriously. Kimberly believes that people in the city of Browning know exactly what happened to Ashley and where she's at, but they're not speaking up because law enforcement has ruined her case. Yeah, yeah they have botched it up. Oh yeah, they botched it up so badly already. It's ridiculous. Law enforcement did do one thing halfway correct, though. They talked to McDonald. They talked to him some and actually questioned him. McDonald claims the last time he saw Ashley Loring was the morning of June 11th, 2017. After she asked him to take her to a roadside to pull off so that someone named V-Dog could pick her up. 
That sounds like a quality person. Yeah. So, McDonald said that he was later told that V-Dog is a nickname for Paul Valenzuela. And Paul is a man in his 50s, again, with a criminal background, including burglary and weapons convictions, who split his time between the Seattle areas and the Blackfeet Reservation. Well, let's just share the love. <laughs> you old pervert. Now, what's he wanting with a 20-year-old girl? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Y'all y'all old perverts need to go get y'all some old women and leave these little girls alone. Let them have a life, too. So, Ashley's family said that Paul was seeing Ashley shortly before she disappeared and that at the time, he was still in a rocky marriage with Dear Lord. <laughs> with a woman named Tashina Running Crane, who is also known as T. According to the Glacier County Court, Paul filed for divorce from T roughly a month after Ashley Loring went missing. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Then, YouTube user T. Eastwood posted a 14-minute recording online in September 2017 under the title, quote, Setup. In the recording, T. claims that Paul is framing her for Ashley's disappearance. According to T., Paul has Ashley and everybody in this town knows it. T. also claims that Paul was trying to set her up. The post was then later taken down, of course. Of course. We won't want to leave something up that um, could be correct. I mean, that, that we don't know if it's correct or not. Eventually, ABC News got wind of the story and came down to the reservation. Across the mountains in the fall of 2017, T agreed to meet Nightline at a local cafe. At the time... Paul was incarcerated on an illegal firearms conviction, home but, away from home. <laughs> but the two had still since reconciled. As T tells it, she was mad and upset, and she was blaming Paul until she finally sat him down and found out the truth. After learning Paul's truth, whatever it may be. I like that one, Paul's truth, okay. Yeah, but after learning Paul's truth again, whatever it may be, T says that she told him she was sorry and everything for even thinking like that. Okay, poor teeny's a reality peel. Um, so what is darling little Paul's innocent truth? No one knows. And if they do, they aren't talking. Hmm. But during the interview, Paul actually called T from prison. And when T told Paul that she was being interviewed by ABC News and that they wanted to talk to him, Paul abruptly hung up the phone. Yeah, probably knows he done did something. Yeah, I mean, I think old McDonald's pretty in the clear, but I think I, th I think Paul's pretty pretty. You went back to the farm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, there's something going on here with T and Paul. If it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, must be a duck. Must be a duck. Yeah, I don't think T's all this. Miss Anderson needs a little pinch of little sweet cheeks. Mm. No. No. Mm mm. Again, E-I-E-I-O. Mm -hmm. T claimed she had been searching for Ashley Loring, which Ashley's family denies. But anyway, she left the reservation to escape what she says are false accusations. T says, Ashley's family says, Oh my gravy. <laughs> that she is the one who killed Ashley because she caught her with Paul. And T claims 
that this is not true. She like vehemently denies this. She claims that she didn't even know about her husband's relationship with Ashley until after Ashley's disappearance. Which is also when he filed for the divorce. Yeah, well, you know, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck. There you go. But he also says that she and Paul were in Seattle at the time that Ashley disappeared. A review of Paul's court records show that he was in the Seattle area in early June of 2017. But I know she wasn't verified there, just Paul was. Hmm. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. However, a report from a corrections officer to a superior court judge also says that on June 9, 2017, Paul told the Washington Correctional Authorities that he intended to return to the Blackfeet Nation in Montana to collect his belongings just two days before McDonald claims Ashley got picked up by him. Paul then told Washington Correctional Authorities that he would return to the state in the first week of July. Instead, according to court records, he evaded correctional authorities for more than two months before finally returning to Washington for a sentencing hearing in September of 2017. By October, he was sentenced to serve 20 months in prison over the original weapons conviction. Soon after Ashley was reported missing, Kimberly says she texted both T and Paul. You generally don't run when you're innocent. Mm-hmm. But both of these people have ran under pretense of, I'm innocent, and I'm going to get out of the situation. The evidence and information led to no arrest, and time began to pass. Kimberly Loring ended up testifying to Senate members about her experience struggles, and mismanagement of evidence she witnessed from law enforcement in her sister's case. Kimberly discovered that the sweater that was actually supposed to be lost ended up being found and was never sent to a crime lab like the Bureau of Indian Affairs said they would do. And instead, it was still sitting in evidence at the BIA. Blackfeet law enforcement also said they searched the area where the sweater was found, but that was found to be untrue as well. It was Good. never searched. Good grief. Eventually, ABC News got wind of some text conversations and got to review them, and they show a person identified as T claiming that, quote, Paul has her. And another person identified as Paul writing, quote, Tashina is giving you false info. Ask her. She probably knows more than she's saying. Nightline asked T about those messages. And T said, oh, my God. Well, that's shocking. I have no idea why he would say something like that. Mm -hmm. To which Nightline replied, is there something you're not telling us about Paul? T says, I don't know. No. I told you guys everything. I didn't even think he would say anything like that about me. I thought he was helping me on this. That's horrible. Shortly afterwards, T abruptly ended the interview. I bet she did. Paul then later wrote to Nightline from prison promising he could reveal who, quote, did all this to Ashley, saying, trust me, I am the only one who can, end quote. Okay, then... Didn't he just incriminate himself? That's what I would think, but, you know. If I'm the only one that knows what happened to her, 
had to have done it. I couldn't have seen you do it because then we both know what happened. So if I'm the only one that knows, hmm, I must be the one that did it. That's what it sounds like, but you know. Yeah. However, when they asked to talk to him, Paul said he'd only talk if he was transferred to a different prison, which is something ABC News could not and would not do. So, of course, Paul refused to be interviewed. Paul ain't dumb as he looks. Since Ashley's disappearance, Kimberly quit her job and moved back home and has continued to search for her sister. She has conducted more than 120 searches with little help from authorities. Among the residents on the reservation, there has been talk. Talk about Ashley being hurt and her body put places. Being all cut up and scattered on the mountain, and that's what drives Kimberly to keep searching. Oh, bless. I would hate to live feeling that someone, my relative, my sister, my child, my whatever, that was true about. I know. That is awful. And not knowing, is it true or is it just talk? And the bad part is, there's got to be a little piece of you going, it's true. I know it's true. Yeah. And that's so sad. That's awful. If you don't know it. Don't say it. Shut up. Mm Mm-hmm. It's that same concern that Matthew Lone Bear knows all too well. He is an enrolled member of the three affiliated tribes, and his own sister, Olivia, was 32 years old and a mother of five when she went out for a drink and a game of bingo one night in October 2017 on the Fort Berthold Reservation in North Dakota and disappeared, along with the Chevy Silverado she had been driving. Thanks to her brother's resilience, ten months after she vanished, Olivia's body was found submerged in the Chevy Silverado at the bottom of a lake less than a mile from her home. In the end, it was a volunteer search team using sonar, not tribal, state, or federal authorities that were credited with finding her body. This is what led him to aid the Loring family in their search for Ashley. Good. Hopefully some real help. For three days in late September, he flew the Phantom 3 drone over Route 89 and other key areas looking into leads Kimberly had recently received, including one about an alleged beaver dam where Ashley's body may have been laid to rest. Together, Matthew and Kimberly went out searching on foot in the thick of all the surrounding lands, the drone buzzing high overhead, and it became apparent that off every tiny trail, over every deserted Rocky Mountain path, lay evidence of not just human activity, but human detritus. Vodka bottles, beer cans, car keys, cigarette stubs, golf tees, stained t-shirts, clean shorts, and smashed glass littered the earth. Everywhere, it seemed, was a party spot, and every party spot was a dumping ground. While nothing of any interest came from the drone searches, they did learn that there were dumping grounds all over the reservation. It's It's just wherever the party is, that's where the trash lay. Finally, in February 2018, the FBI took the lead on Ashley's case nearly nine months after she first disappeared. By June 2018, the family got permission to search a trailer that Paul and T had frequented and that Ashley reportedly visited during the summer that she vanished. 
law enforcement had already gone through the trailer, but the family was skeptical and wanted to look for themselves. And I can't say that I blame them. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It was finally the day of the search. In a remote corner of the Blackfeet Nation, tucked beside a dark stretch of cottonwood and paper birch, there it was. A desolate trailer that had been vacant for months. On the outside, its tin was peeling, singed black in places from fire, and had begun to peel off in the high plains wind. The small, dank rooms were mostly empty, save for piles of discarded clothing and abandoned furniture. Only the cautious footsteps and hushed voices of the Loring family gave way to the notion that the area was inhabited. It was there, in that dank, desolate, deteriorating trailer behind an old box television set, they found something. Ashley's aunt and uncle had been combing through that part of the trailer when they saw something on the floor. It was an odd discoloration on an old shag carpet. Thinking it was most likely dry blood, Justin Loring revealed a box cutter from his pocket and began to cut the square from the carpet. The family huddled over him in anticipation. When they got it up, it was all red. The family stared down at a maroon-colored stain in complete disbelief. Justin had come prepared, already wearing blue plastic gloves, and he tucked the removed piece of carpet into a plastic grocery bag and tied it up tight. For more than two years, the Loring family has scoured their immense reservation, largely on their own, hoping to retrace their loved one's last known steps. The carpet square is not the only piece of potential evidence that they have turned over, either. As time went on and leads dwindled, Ashley's case came to national prominence as part of the movement to spread awareness about missing and murdered indigenous women. On December 13, 2018, Kimberly did something else no one had done before. On this day, the deaths and disappearances of hundreds of Native American women in America were the subject of a Senate Indian Affairs Committee hearing in Washington, D.C. Kimberly was at this meeting, and she testified that she thought Blackfeet Tribal Police and the BIA seemed dismissive because the missing woman was 20 years old, a legal adult, and she also claimed some key evidence was lost in the case. For now, Kimberly's happy that positive action is on the horizon. The visit to Washington allowed Ashley's case to be properly heard for the first time since her sister went missing. After a number of leads took investigators off the reservation and even into other states, the FBI had finally taken over the case. And remarkably, the gray sweater was once found. It was initially mislaid by authorities and had been found and, you know, was now being tested in the lab where it should have been all along. That's terrible. Then, just as things seemed to be quieting down, human remains were found on the reservation. Federal agents confirmed that human remains had indeed been found on the Blackfeet Indian Reservation 
in northwestern Montana where Ashley was reported missing last year. By early 2019, the results on the bones had come back. Robert Desrosier, the Blackfeet Nation's Director of Disaster and Emergency Services, said when they first found the remains, they believed that they were that of Ashley Loring Heavy Runner. However, the human remains found on the Blackfeet Indian Reservation in December of last year have been determined to be that of a Blackfeet law enforcement officer. I wonder if they ever looked for him. I guess not. When the FBI took over the case, it was determined that these remains were of a roughly six-foot-tall male and, quote, ancient in origin. The remains have since been turned back over to the Blackfeet Nation. Robert Desrosiers says that they were able to determine that the deceased was a member of law enforcement after finding artifacts around where the remains were found. They then determined this man to be a policeman. Blackfeet law enforcement started in 1878. Three months later, more information came back. The FBI confirmed that the remains are estimated to be of a Native American male between 45 to 60 years of age. Anthropological analysis also suggested that the remains are of probable historic or ancient origin. The Salt Lake City FBI is requesting the remains be returned so that they can be overturned to the Blackfeet Tribal Historic Preservation Office. Though they made a lot of progress, it's still going to take a lot of time to figure out who the bones actually belong to. And as of now, the identity is still unknown. That's sad. MMIP, or Missing and Murdered Indigenous People, is the tragedy that it is. In part, because there's simply no real help. There's nowhere to turn. There's no expert or organization on which to depend on to do the hard work of solving an ever-increasing number of puzzles. The sovereignty designations intended as a sheepish apology for past intrusions have created unexpected lawlessness, leaving vulnerable populations exposed, underserved, and underprotected. Still today, just like every other day before that, Kimberly dutifully continues her search for her sister and fights through advocacy for many others like her sister, hoping that they might be found as well. As a matter of fact, even researching this case was hard. Finding solid trails to chronicle the investigation, to chronicle the case itself, proved a very daunting task. I mean, there just wasn't that much even media coverage out there to be able to do a full-fledged episode about Ashley herself. That is terrible. I mean, I wonder where's the help for these people? There Apparently is, there is none. Yeah, and, there, and that's what's so sad. In memory of those missing and murdered indigenous people, I want to read you a list of names. All of these people are MMIP. 
Robert Grant Alexander Jason Bruno Azur Sadie Lizette Kane Kylie Bates Hill Frida Jane Noshiskin James Limberhan Ashley Mariah Loring Heavy Runner Clarence McNabb Daryl Morris Jermaine Charlotte Matthew Grant Israel Shorting Henry Scott Elijah Young Running Crane Tristan Gray Darlene Billy Patricia Duckhead Bill White Quills Amy Old Coyote Joshua K. Battist Savannah LaFonte Gray Wind Richard George Roasting Stick Kylie Rockabove Hannah Harris Autumn White Wolf Cheyenne White Wolf Selena Not Afraid These are just to name a few If you have any sort of information regarding this case please contact the Browning Police Department at 406-338-4000. You can also contact Blackfeet Law Enforcement Dispatch Center at 406-338-4000. Share this hashtag PL8PIC link to social media as a public post. You can also share the hashtag Find Ashley Heavy Runner. Thank you for listening to another episode of If I Go Missing. I'm your host, Megan, and I put a lot of thought and hard work into these episodes. I write, edit, and produce them all myself, and it means a lot to me that you guys take the time to listen. If you would like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is at If I Go Missing Podcast. Then we also have our Twitter, and that one is at Megan Noel Pod. If you want to reach out and suggest a case, you can do that on Instagram or Twitter by sending us a DM. We also have a Facebook page called Megan Noel Podcast, and we also have discussion groups for the podcast. And the name of the discussion group is If I Go Missing, a podcast.